This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Agency Intelligence Podcast, where I am giving you the real agents inside real agencies and giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that the industry tries to make you believe. Thank you for taking your time. And I'm Jason Cass, your host. I'm pretty sure you already know that. If you don't, once again, I'm Jason Cass. And if you're a loyal listener, thank you very much for being just that. Um, Without you, uh, we couldn't do what we're doing. Keep in mind, this is about creating a voice to those who have no voice so that they can be heard around the world and we can keep forward momentum and progress in this industry. That's been the goal of Agency Intelligence Podcast from 2013 to today, and it still is. And the other goal is to try and bring you the best and the brightest. That's why I always say the real agents inside real agencies. Today, I'm bringing you Mr. Chris Paradiso at a Paradiso Insurance at a Stafford Springs, Connecticut. How are you, Chris? Thank you for having me, Jay. I'm doing really good. No complaints here. No, no. The very few complaints ever come from you. The uh, only time I ever hear you complain is if the government's doing stupid or something stupid, or if your taxes are too high. And that's a, those are legitimate excuses and things to gripe about, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so Chris and I, just loyal listeners, so you know, Chris and I are part of the Neon Pilots group that you guys all know about. And him and I were in Cleveland. And Chris and I have been trying to te- team up for, gosh, at least a year to try and make this podcast happen. And when we sat next to each other in Cleveland, I looked at him. I said, Chris, it's got to happen. He said, Cass, let's do it. And so here we are. It's about a week and a half later. And Chris and I will get on to some of those discussions of some of the things that we've been doing in the industry. Loyal listeners, you know about it. But uh, get Chris's perspective in it. But before we do, Chris, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm an iPhone guy. An iPhone guy. What's the yeah. last app you downloaded? Uh, the last app I downloaded, you're never going to believe this, was Netflix. Who ever thought I'd be watching TV on my, on my phone? I never thought I'd have time. Age gets to us all, Chris. <laughs> you know what it is? It's, it's being in hotel rooms is what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. You are right about that. You are right about that. Hotel rooms, you can't think. You're trying to get your brain off of insurance for two minutes. And uh, yeah, that's that's probably when I attack my most. I couldn't go to sleep when I was in Cleveland till like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning because I was hooked on uh, this one show. And I, I hate the ones that are like 30 minutes long, those little – because, man, you just keep – biting them right there you just you 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 watch it and you're like okay i can watch 30 minutes more right i got a little bit of time before you know it's three hours so uh christopher d or sorry you know one of the things i must say to all my loyal listeners is anybody chris by the name of chris i call them christopher and the reason is is because my good buddy chris cook christopher cook see there i go he 
will call you out. His mom was really big that everybody called him Christopher and not Chris. So he he will call you out. He doesn't care if you're the president of the United States. He will raise his hand and say, sir, president, my name is Christopher and it's not Chris if you call him that. So now I've gotten to the habit so that I don't break that with him is now I call everybody Christopher. That's Chris. So sorry if that comes out that way a couple of times. You Chris. put me in the line with Christopher Cook on you know, hey, that's a that's a privilege and an honor. You're, You're damn right. Talking about a great guy right there. You're talking great the owner. You damn right. That's 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 a salt of the earth right there. He is. So, do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Chris? I hate to lose. I, I can't say I love to win because you know winning is one of those things to a fault with my children. Uh, when you win, you're already ready for the next win, and when you hate to lose, you work extra hard. And um, Larry Bird said something very interesting, and it may put a bad taste in some people's mouth, but he said, uh, second place is the first place loser, and that is somebody who hates to lose. That's right. That's right. That is true. That is true. That's a very famous saying, and, and it uh, very, holds very true. Chris, of, um, of everything that you've done in your life, whether uh, that's led you to here, to where you are sitting here right now, um, talking and discussing who you are in the industry, your successes, your failures, um, your family, your friends, your industry, to who you are in all of that. What do you think has got you there more, luck or skill? Hard work. Okay, okay so would that be – hard work is definitely. But in the course of hard work, if you had to choose two, choose one out of the two, what would it be? You know, that's a damn good question. I wish I could answer that. That's I'm okay. Actually- I'm stumped thinking about, you know, I always say hard work, you'll get lucky. I can't say I'm the most skillful. I I think what I am is um, I'm a guy that realizes uh, what my grandfather, a third grade dropout, always said is make sure you're in the right room. The right room is the room that you are not the smartest guy in. That's why, you know, a week and a half ago, we were in Cleveland together. I knew I was in the damn right room because there's a lot of people way smarter than me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't answer that, Jay, because I'm not sure. I'm not sure of an answer on that. I, I, I would say if it, I had to I, say for you, if I had to say for you, Chris, and I've never done this to any of my listeners, but I, I or any of my uh, ten, um, people who are on, but I, I, I know you a little bit. I would have to say yours is probably, probably luck in the fact that. I know your your story of your grandfather and your father and what you have now in your agency. And let's be honest, not everybody's as fortunate as you. And I think there's more people that are more fortunate. Uh, but I heard it from Justin Goodman. Justin Goodman, I asked him this question. He's given the best answer so far because it caught me out of the blue. And he said, Jason, it's definitely luck. And I said, why? And he said, because I was born in Orange County, California to two parents who absolutely love each other, who absolutely gave me, my brother, and my sister the best life. They cared for us. They paid for our college. They were always there. I mean, he's like, I literally had the best childhood. And he said, and it gave me the foundation for who I was. I was just lucky to be in that situation. Now, from there, he's taken his skill to make it better. But he said it all started with luck. What do you think about that? Wholeheartedly agree if I was Half as skilled as Justin, I would have said that, but it's the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I, I am very fortunate that my grandfather uh, walked in nine months to get to a boat to be able to come to this great country and took over three months. And I have his log of every day on a boat for three months. What he Oh, did. wow. 
And I have every penny he spent all the way up to 1928. And to be able to know uh, with what's going on politically today, my grandfather came here with one reason. He came in here illegally to work hard and to give his family a better life because unfortunately there was no jobs and it was um, just tough, tough, tough times in Italy. And to be able to know that he his sacrifice and to be able to see where my four aunts were born and uh, my father was the only one born in this country. It just, it's, it's just fascinating. You know, we, we think we have it tough. None of us have it tough. Who had mm-hmm. it tough was people born pre-1950. Uh, yeah, I'm right about that. I mean, they, they, they just grew up in a different era where tough is tough. Mm-hmm. And, and Chris, uh, did, uh, have you went back to Italy uh, to see? The many times. Yep. Many times. I brought my family back. Uh, my father back to see his family for the very first time. And it was probably one of the greatest things I was able to be able to do, to be able to spend that money and spend 10 days with family uh, doing nothing other than meeting family and getting to know family. Cause I, uh, I brought my first family members over here in uh, 1999, uh, some cousins. And then ever since then, we've been extremely close because before that, my grandmother, it was 1970 before anybody talked to my family over there. So I'm very fortunate to have been able to bring my Italian family from Italy over here and get to know all the cousins who would have never known who they were. So it's just so so when your grandpa came over here, he never had any ta- any any communication back with his family in Italy until 1970? No, he did. But what happened was when he was over here, it took him six years to be able to afford to get my grandmother here. Oh. So it was six years that they were separated. Wow. So wow. You know, I own the property he built, you know, had a fortunate opportunity to sell it for like 20 times what I bought it for. And I'm just... I'm ex- cut from my father's cloth where history is very important. I hold on to that property back. My grandfather made his own wine. My grand, my dad still talks about growing up. He grew up eating squirrel and people laugh when they say that, but that's real poverty. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been extremely blessed, but to know and understand the history and, and, and the real struggles that my grandfather and grandmother and what my father, my father was the first one to drive. My father was the first one to go to college. My grandfather was a barber. Just, just, it's just, uh, you can't make this stuff up and you just think, and you, that's where the fight and resiliency and in, in the whole family structure comes from. Why my kids are my everything is because of generations and generations of family who believe in this, you know? Mm, 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 mm. Great stuff. Great stuff, dude. Great, great stuff. Wow. Yeah. I, I could go on about that forever. I, in the last three or four years, I have found some books um, that my, grand, my great uncle gave me about his mother who came over on the boat. And it was a really, really like crazy. It's nowhere a log of every day. She kind of is doing it like once, a, once every while in a while. But when she gets off the boat, one of the girls that she met while she was on the boat that they kind of became good friends, as soon as they get off the boat, that night that girl disappears and they found her where she got raped and and like literally like murdered. Um, they found her like two or three days later and she had only been off the boat like two or three days later. And I think we forget that part of history that it was a very rough scene. People were poor. People were brutal. Very lawlessness in the country. 
and uh, and it's 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 a crazy because she's telling the story about she, and you're reading like how she can't find the lady that she was with and then all of a sudden like three days later she writes again and they found her and all this stuff like that so when you when you read about those things and you you see the struggles it starts to make you realize that because you don't have an extra dollar fifty to get your Big Mac that there was people who have really had real struggles in this world, you know, no real question. struggles. No question. My grandfather, before he passed, he wrote his life story on a napkin of all about six sentences. And the key factor is, is on his family and how he had six medals after serving in World War One. And that was, wow. it was, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very touching piece that I have reprinted and hanging in my office to remind people the ever importance of uh he never finished third grade so if we think we have it tough we don't realize how many people have it much tougher than we do and we should count our blessings every day for everything we have well let's just think about it chris let's get crazy here let's say the united states economy just absolutely collapses if you guys have ever seen any if you've seen the man in the high castle that's a show to watch um chris uh, chris is the uh, i'm gonna say christopher all the time uh chris that is that is something to watch because it's a it's 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 what happened after World War II. It's it's World War II occurs and the Germans win and the Japanese win and they split America down the middle. It's a real interesting concept. The show, eh, one to ten, probably a eight, I mean eight and a half. It's not the greatest, not the worst. But it's a really interesting concept of what would have happened if they would have uh, if Germany would have had one and Europe would have had the other half. And let's just say something crazy like that happened today, right? And we have no um, jobs or anything. I'm getting back to what your grandfather did, Chris. Could you imagine us having to say to our spouses, "Hey, America's done." We need to go to Europe or some other country. I'm going to go there for a while and I'm going to save up enough money to get you there. And it ends up taking six years like it did for your grandfather and grandmother. I mean, I don't think we can we can fathom that being away from our spouses sometimes for six days seems too much to them or to us. Six years. Oh, my gosh. That's a story in itself of perseverance. Woo. I tell my kids all the time, count your blessings. You know, you just don't realize how many blessings we have. Mm, 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 mm. Especially what you've come from, from what your dad laid down from your grandfather, what you've done on top of that. Man, that's that's so important. Wow, got lost there, but that's okay. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. Um, and it just kind of gives the loyal listeners who don't know who you are, Chris, the the understanding of of how you do root your life and traditions and um, big lover of of America. I think we all are, but it's got a little bit uh, uh, more in depth in your heart. I know you're a huge uh, sponsor and follower of the Special Olympics because. You're, am I right by the Special Olympics? Yeah. Is that the right? Okay, I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure. Because your sister is like athlete of the freaking world. You know, she does a fantastic job. You support your community in ways that are really, really unique with your reverse trick-or-treat and some of the things that you do for get, give back and your flag day. And I'll be honest with you, Chris, and you know this, and so it's nothing new. You do so much, and you are so genuine in your traditions and who you are and who your country is that I think sometimes people think that you're fake. Yeah, they do. And it's okay. That's okay, right? I, I get hate mail and it's okay. I think- um, You get hate mail? Or are you I, just saying that figuratively? No. I oh get, my God. 
I, I will proudly stand for the flag and kneel for our fallen. I will proudly put that on my T-shirts um, along with Paradiso Insurance. It's who we are. It's what we stand for. Um, you'll see if you've ever been in my office, there's a lot of little things that that hang in my office that stand for things such as the great Winston Churchill. He sits on my desk because love that dude. Nothing more says you have enemies. This is his famous quote. Good. You stood for something in your life. Uh, and that's probably why I think the world of you, Jason, is whether people like you or not for some of your ideas, thoughts, what you think of, what you say, you are who you are and you're, you're unapologetic. And for those people who don't care for me and think that I'm fake, I am I am unapologetic for how patriotic I am. I wear the flag on my chest very proudly, and I, I refuse. Do we make mistakes as America makes mistakes? Yes. But I know and realize there is a reason why people are coming over walls to get to this country, because we have right. opportunity and of, of no other country. What other country gives back to the rest of the world like America does? Amen. Please answer that. No, no, nobody can ever say. And I get so angry because people, there's so many people that don't like our country, but they take our money. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who give and work hard to be able to pay their taxes. I have no problem paying taxes as long as I feel that it's going in the right places. Correct. If we could help people like my sister who, who unfortunately are born – the politically correct world, which is very irritating me, is um, is intellectually disabled. She was born with mental retardation. And what does that mean? She wasn't born autistic. She was born and then her brain stopped developing. Oh. And you know why I say she was born with mental retardation. And once again, I get hate mail for that. And I don't really care because you didn't walk in my shoes is, is because I want people to understand who my sister is. She's not autistic. She's not Down syndrome. She was born with mental retardation. It's different. And if a label is a label, what I want people to understand is who my sister is and what she stands for. My sister is an extremely proud American. My sister can do things that people said she could never do. You know, I just... Chris, let me I, ask you a question because you you have the uh, position to be able to speak to this. Um, someone who's very ignorant like me and other piece, people out there, why is it okay for us to say that somebody's autistic or or somebody has Asperger's or we can classify them all these different things, but you can't say mental retardation? Is one a term and the other is a medical term? Why do people get offended? You know, I don't know. Uh, when people say the word retard, that's very offensive to me. Correct. I'm not going to sit here. That, that, that's that jabs me, that kicks me right in the gut and it takes the wind out of me. And I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm not, I am a fighter. It's just, it's who I am. Um, I have two broken teeth in my mouth that I never had fixed, um, that I took, uh, uh, defending my sister as a youngster. Are you serious? Are Are you serious? You've never told me that. These are all very little things about me that I know it's, they're, they're memorable to me in the senses is when I look in the mirror, I know, that I'll fight to the day I die for my sister Love and for that, people brother. Who, are, who are born with intellectual disabilities. Okay. I sit on the board of journey found. It is my life. It is besides my family. It is my life. I will continue to fight for people as my best friend who was a Marine, a professional boxer. I love Ray Fallon as a friend and he's just, he, he come on the board. He's, 
He said, Chris, I've never been touched. I've never had people with disabilities like your sister around me since you've got me involved 10 years ago. He's like, and he said to me, he says, if I don't take a stand and give a voice to people who have not, who don't have a voice, that would kill me as a father of three daughters to know my daughter died with no voice. Mm-hmm. And that is the most powerful thing. It gives me goosebumps. Every time I look at him, I'd say, I'm going to fight to give people with disabilities a voice, period. And um, it's, you know, it's very passionate of mine. I live my life that way. And, you know, some people say, geez, Chris, you know, you're patriotic. You show off your sister. You know, do you want the attention? You know what I want the attention of? That my sister wants to be hugged, loved, cheered, celebrated, just like you and everybody else. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately... She hasn't had, nor have a lot of people with disabilities have had the fairness of going to high school. And, uh, you know, you think about you and I being picked on in, in high school, right? We, we, can, we can defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. My sister and people with disabilities like her cannot defend themselves. Right. So it's, um, I, I. Where does she live? She lives in Manchester. My father is a founder of uh, an organization, a nonprofit called Journey Found, because um, the May Institute pulled out uh, because our lovely governments have decided not to fund or to cut funding uh, of housing for people like my sister who have 24-hour care seven days a week. And when people say, Chris, uh, you're pretty passionate and almost, oh, you, I can sense the anger in you. Yes, there is anger in me because... I find it absolutely just unacceptable in today's time that we can't find ways to help people who cannot work and help themselves to be able to have and live a quote unquote normal life. So Mm -hmm. it's one of my uh, passions in life besides my family. Um, I want to be known for something. I want to be known for fighting for my sister and for people like her. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's, and that's, uh, that's admirable, man. That's, that's so admirable. And you know, in in that fight that's in you, that fight that's in you for for your country, for your family, for the history of your family, tradition, um, your sister, everything that's there. Let's um, let's move that over into the insurance industry, and we have a lot to fight for in here. I tell you that right now. Never, yeah. never has it been a better yeah. time to be an independent insurance agent. But I think in few times in this history of this industry, has there been a more volatile a more, I mean, we are at the crossroads. The, we are at the fork in the road. And like Yogi Berra said, we should take it, right? I mean, we are there. You know about what's going on with Neon. Obviously, there's nothing that we can't really hold back with Neon. But at the same time, there's a, there's a, there's a, a feeling of let's not discuss so much yet, but gather what it could do to the industry. I guess that's the, the best way to put it, right? Yeah, I, I would. Sometimes agree with that. we don't really necessarily hype up things when we don't know everything about it. Uh, Christopher and I got to see Chris. <laughs> Chris and I got to see. I've never called you Christopher. That's why it's just different to me. But now it just comes out. So uh, Chris and I were had the opportunity to see actually a prototype. I guess you could say of neon. Get some some very big basics. Uh, some very a lot more guidance as this thing goes along. Keep in mind it is running already, but to, to hook it up with other agencies and all that stuff that that it is but when we were there and chris the the as you mentioned earlier about the intelligence that was in the room right just just super super rich like like 
dudes are like, I see this a lot, Christopher. There are some girls and guys in this industry that should not be in this industry. They should be rocket science. There's, I mean, they, they, they're so freaking smart. Right. It's like, why are you selling right. insurance? I mean, my goodness, NASA needs you, you know, SpaceX needs you. And, and that's the cool thing is that we have that type of intelligence. And those people, those people are transforming our industry. They're taking what our agencies are and turning them into rockets, right? And, 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 and making us look at it differently. And I'm excited like I've never seen. And I'm going to end with this and I want to get your feeling on this. Chris, I said for years that transformation would come to this industry. Loyal listeners know this. I really was starting to doubt that it would come in my lifetime. I know I'm only 41, but I don't know how much longer I have left in this thing. I've got a lot of things that I want to do in life. And I'm thinking to myself, will I see it? When I stood on that stage at IOAO and I gave my great separator speech and Seth Zaremba watched it and called me immediately after and said, when you get back from Vegas, you've got to call me. I call him as soon as I get back. He tells me what he's invented. I get on a plane literally the next day or two days later, I come and see it. Yeah, he said that. Days later, you were on a plane and you were in Cleveland. And here's the deal, Chris. I will never forget. I was sitting in the very front row of my plane, not first class. I don't fly first class. I was in Southwest. And, and Travis and I are sitting in the very front, my business partner. And I looked down at him and I said, Travis, I never thought that I'd see transformation, but we just witnessed it. And I remember the feeling I had looking out that window, thinking to myself, like, holy shit, like, I, I, I am going to be a part of this, you know? I mean, like, this is crazy. Yeah. This, I know this sounds crazy to people, because this is how it had to feel when they realized that they were going to the moon. Like, holy cow. Like, you know, we're going to be the people that did it, right? What do you think about that? Well, think about it. The power is going to be back. We are, I say, be back. I don't know if the power was ever in the seat of the IA of the independent agent. I'm, you know, I think we, I think, first of all, I say, we, I think knowing and understanding that the industry has two leaders uh, that are not only transparent, but also with a backbone like yourself, like Seth, I, I think I know for a fact, we are not that far away because I think it's going to enable us as agents to be able to first realize a lot of agents. And I hope that if there's some listening, realize on how we are being data muled every single day, it is remarkable how, how systems take our data as we pay agencies, pay their staff to enter data. We pay a monthly full fee for these rating systems and then our data gets old. Yep. And then if we decide we're going to move, we're going to pay a fee for the same data that we paid a fee to put it in. We paid a monthly fee to the system, and now we have to pay a fee to get it back. Well, it's, it's really disheartening, and, and, and it hurts that we haven't realized that this has been going on for so long and that we can and we will have the ability to be able to take that power back when we can take our unstructured data and be able to do something with it creatively, generate business, be able to utilize it so that we can market more efficiently and better. But I also believe that the key factor in this is that agents have to come together as that room minus the intelligence, which was, uh, and, and I mean, as you said, Jed, it's, it's incredible the amount of intelligence mm -hmm. that was in one room. Minus that. The other thing you would find in that room is selflessness. People were not there.
to be selfish. They were there to be able to give input and share and be an open book and realize everyone in that room, not one of us was a competitor. Mm -hmm. That's true. And that, when I left, I said, what did you say when we were in an Uber? If, if this thing fails, something still very powerful mm -hmm. would have come out of it. A group of agents will stick together and do something to change the industry, period. Right. That's exactly right. right. Because there's too much of extreme giving in that room and selflessness uh, that's just, you know, it was just remarkable to be in a room with so many talented people. Oh, so many. It's ridiculous. So we're going to start hearing this word called indie tech a lot. And, and loyal listeners, you've heard it mentioned a couple times, but as the last couple of weeks have went through, we're starting to put a definition to it. First of all, to, to give the, um, uh, to give it where it's due, who came up with this, it was Seth Zaremba. I believe the guys from, I can't ever say their name, Chris, Tamar, Taram, Tarmarka, Taram, it's the uh, I, I say Tarmica T A R M I K A. Yeah. And I got to tell these guys it is the worst name, and I know them personally. I got to tell them guys, you got to come up with a different name. I can't ever say it, and anybody trying to explain it to me can never say the, the damn name. So, anyways, they are great, and them and Cesarimba and Jeff Roy, and if there was anybody else at the dinner, I wasn't told. I apologize. And they were talking about the fact that InsureTech. And they were talking about how, you know, Seth basically said, guys, when I went to InsureTech Connect or I go to any of these events, it seems like there's nothing really for me. It's like they all want to create their own product for the insurance companies. They want to turn around and flip it and sell it, and they want to get on down the road. And that's not viable for helping our agency. That's not our game plan, right? And so it's um, Lisa Dickerson's uh, in our mastermind set it the other day. She had just got hooked up with Indio, and now they got bought by Applied. And one of her sayings inside of the mastermind was so great, Chris. She said, why is it getting crazy stupid to do business today with companies because once you buy one or you know boom they sell out to the next and it's because they don't have our best interest they're not about sharing data they're not about helping the independent insurance and so it's just like seth said he didn't get that feel and so that's where they came up with indie tech and indie tech to put a definition on it this is jason's definition and it's okay. morphed and it's the other thing what'd you say no i'm laughing jason's definition go ahead buddy. it's it's a cause that um, enables us to put a framework around people who understand technology vendors who understand agents who understand people that support this industry understand that our data is our data and we should be able to use that data for our own good and we should be able to share it with who we want so that they can make our customer experience for our clients better because we can't do it all ourselves. And a lot of this has been spurred by independent insurance agents, those rocket scientists, right, who are now in the insurance industry and are kind of like, well, I could do this on my, by myself. And I think a lot of agents are going to start to feel their worth and they're going to start to finally feel like they found their group when they start understanding what the, the, the name and the cause of indie tech is. Because if you go to, out to Automated Insurance Agency's Facebook group, which is ran by Travis Gensler, there's a thousand guys in there and those guys are the rocket scientists. And they're all doing their own thing. If you talk to him, one has got, um, there was a guy, his name, Micah something. He has a, um, a direct integration with travelers. And so only on auto, 
he can on his website, you can put in your policy number on his website and it will pull up your traveler's policy. It has to do with the fact that he has an inroad with a person at Travelers that understand his concept and they were able to make this work. And then I'm talking to another guy and he's got something with one of his super regionals for auto and home where they can make changes on his website, which means they're sharing that data and working cooperatively through each other. There's all these different things going on out there and I don't think realize that people realize that we have to come together. I've said it a million times and I'll say it and I'll continue to say it. The reason why the United States government beat the Indians is because the Indians refused to band together. If they would have banded together, they could have defeated the United States government, but they couldn't and the government picked them off one at a time. That's how we are right now. We're all these little pockets of us doing our little things and it's got to be brought together. And I hope people start to realize that that cause, that initiative, that foundation that's going to propel us forward is indie tech. And that's what it is. And here's the hard part of that, Chris. Here's the hard part of that, loyal listeners. Sometimes a lot of our vendors in the industry right now, they're not part of that. A lot of our AMS systems are not part of that definition. A lot of the systems that are coming out, the technology that's coming out, they're not part of that cause. And so we have to start realizing like, are we going to do business with people that have our best interest? Or are we going to do business with people that make us mule the data for them, for them to sell? And it's like at Brainshare, which Chris, you're going to be at the next one. At, the, at Brainshare, Seth said it best. He said, what they're doing is they're having us go down in the mine, dig out the gold, bring it back out of the mine, give it to them, the carriers. They go sell it on the open market. When they sell it, they come back and they give us a little piece. And if it's really good gold, they'll even give us a little bit more. Take a drink of water, get your ass back down in the mine and start digging out some gold. The thing that Seth always ends with that's mind-blowing is to think this. Folks, you own the mine. You own the mine. The mine is your agency. Yeah. You own the mine. Who, who would own a gold mine and would do all the work? Who, who would do that? You know who? About 180,000 independent insurance agents across America. Yeah. One of the things that I have to say is, Chris, and I want to get your feedback on this. I've had agents come to me and say, Jason, I just don't believe it. It's not as big a conspiracy theory as, as it's being led to believe. And I'm going to tell those people I agree with them, but here's the way Cass looks at this. When they came out with Raiders, when they came out with Raiders so that we could rate, and Frank Sinter, Sinter, Sintner went to some of this, but when they came out with Raiders, they really didn't come out with Raiders, personalized Raiders back in 03 or 1996 or whatever, just to collect data from us. They did it because it was one place we could all go as agents and we could put in the data and, and they realized that, hey, we would get maybe a piece of it. That whether they were for it or against it, that's not my, that's not my point. But they now, over 20, 25 years later, have realized – and they realized a long time ago that there's power in the data that we're putting in there and that stuff is worth money and they'd just be quiet. They're just like, shh, don't say anything. If they're not going to say anything, don't say anything. And that's what Seth is doing. That's what we are doing, Chris. That's the initiative and the cause of Indie Tech is to say, we're not going to say anything. We're, we're going to say something now. Like we now know the gig is up. 
We understand that things have progressed. Yes, you did it for efficiency, but now you're making it because you're making serious cash on us. And that's up. What say you about that that mindset? I think we I think the first and foremost for the for the IA channel to change is we have to be aware and educate those uh, who don't understand that that's even taking place, Jay. Mm-hmm. I think that's 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 the first thing is education. The agents that understand this and can share, I have Frank Setner that's going to be here in about 20 minutes and with our data scientists. And um, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's torn apart my data. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if people don't know Frank Setner, they should know Frank Setner. He is like you, Jason, like Seth, but he's not an agent. He created Sujita Management System, but he's out there fighting for the IA channel and for us to be able to really fight to grab a hold of our data and be able to do something with it for one reason, to create a better customer experience. And he he always leaves with one thing. Doesn't matter if carriers are in the room or agents or both are in the room. He said, have you ever thought about any other industry? I am a customer, I, which he's a customer of mine, and I have auto insurance with you. And let's just pick a company. We'll say Safeco Insurance Company. And Frank says, Safeco sends me a piece of paper, okay, uh, a welcome letter, let's just say, or, hey, I need something. The agent doesn't know what the carrier sent. Now, Paradiso Insurance, which is I'm his agent, sends him a calendar or sends him an ID card or sends him something. The carrier never knows. How can that ever become a great customer experience without the both of them of knowing what is actually being mailed, sent, emailed mm-hmm. to the customer? I said, Frank, it's as simple as that. We, we both have to be on the same platform, sharing the same information. So uh, because you said something very interesting, Jay, that could be arguable. You said our customers. You said that very boldly. Uh, some carriers and outside the industry, whether it's vendors, feel that once that data is in there, they feel it's theirs. Right. So, And I'm not here to debate that. Um, I, as an agent, are probably going to agree with right. you, Jason. <laughs> no question. But, but the argument still is, is whose customer is it? I mean, the, the argument is, is whose customer still is it? It's, um, yeah, I have my, I have, I have my that. thoughts I mean, that, That's that. an hour I mean, conversation. Because- I, I get it. We don't have an hour, but these are hard nosed conversations. That's why I'm hoping that um, that there is a new form of a conference out there uh, that a conference that addresses and that's not a conference that just brings agents together or uh, just has speakers, but actually brings the hard questions like from the data, who owns the data? You know, what does a true partnership look like between a carrier and an independent agent? These are hard questions because a lot of people, and if we're if we're all in a room, Jason, me, you, and a hundred other agents, it's easy to talk about. But it's a little bit harder when there's fifty agencies and fifty carriers. Let's talk about what a true partnership looks like. You know, it's like you and your wife. If you guys mm-hmm. get in an argument and you don't talk about things, and I mean, does anything ever get resolved? These are hard questions. That and that that's why I have tons of respect for you, Jason that you have always stepped up and said the way you felt, even if it wasn't quote unquote politically correct. And these are the conversations, these un, these non-political correctness issues are something that we have to get in a room and we really have to discuss. If we're going to make the industry mm-hmm. better, we have to make a commitment to getting in a room and talking openly, honestly, transparently, and really on both sides. Because carriers and agents need each other more now than ever. And we need to become better partners, period. 
Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And and at the end, we all make more money. Correct. And 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 the client makes guess a better experience, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're making more money because the client has a better experience. I say this a lot. My job is to take care of my team, provide them the tools, the technology, the workflows, the procedures to be successful. Their job is to take care of the customer. And if we do that well, the customer will pay the bills. It comes down to that simple. We don't have to make this very complicated, folks. So for that to work efficiently, I love your your theory. I like your little analogy. It was very simple, Chris, but it was a good point. Like your customer and the carrier sending this stuff, and then you know, and then you're sending this stuff to Frank, but yet no one knows what each other are sending. You know, right. and and it's and it's not even and think about this, Chris. It's not even just like the goody goodies, right? It's the billing notice, yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Like, hey, it'd be nice if I knew that you sent that billing notice out without. But that doesn't mean send me a copy in the mail, <laughs> right? That doesn't mean send me a copy in the mail. There has to be different ways that we deliver that. And you know, one of the things that I thought was was um what was uh, crazy. One of the toughest I think companies to probably work for in the insurance industry is probably if you worked for Ivans. I'm serious because be, to be honest with you, I'm part of the Ivan's uh, advisory board. They're a bunch of good people, dude. They're a bunch of oh, good yeah. people who are trying as hard as they can. And and like, I mean, seriously, they told me this this year in May. They said to me, they said, Jason, they sat us all down. And and I was there with um with um Cal um, Durlin. Yeah, Cal wasn't there. Oh my gosh, I'm not I'm gonna make myself remember it. Chris, um, Oh, come on, Jason. He's going to be so upset because he's one of my favorite people and he's one of your favorite people, Chris. I'm going to say it. The the president of PIA. What's his name? Mike Becker? No, the PIA's chairman, uh, maybe this year. Oh, Mike. Tim Russell? No, gosh, please. Gosh, I am so sorry, Christian loyal listeners. I apologize for him because. Anyways, he sits on the advisory board with me, and I'll, it'll come to me here in a minute. And he's and him and I are very loud mouse in there. A lot of people are very quiet. And they said to us, the exact words they said, Chris, this is exactly what they said to us. They said, we need you to be able to tell us what you see Ivan's being in one, three to five years. And this is what they said. Because if we keep doing what we're doing today, we won't be here in three years. And my mouth opened up. I was like, Definition wow. of community, right? Wow. And expecting different outcomes. Yes. But that's great. They've acknowledged and and nobody can improve. You can't improve on your agency. I can't improve on my agency. If we don't look ourselves in the mirror and say, what do we need to improve on? What do we have to get better at? Sometimes it's hard, but we have to look in the mirror. Obviously, Ivan's did. And I'm going to tell you this. This is this is uh, this is sticking up for Ivan's for everybody out there. This is important to understand this. Ivan's is owned by Applied, but they are independent of each other. Yeah, they probably share funds and stuff like that. But like the people that I know at Applied, or not Applied, at Ivan's, 
these people are like, they want to do better. They bring us into this room and they really, I mean, if you only saw, it's not just we meet that once once a year. Um, we meet three times a year. And in between those, they are constantly, okay, we're doing this for download. How can we improve that? What way should this be? It's kind of like Seth said the one time, one of my favorite sayings of him is he wants to dance on the death of download. And Frank, who's one of the people who invented download will even tell you that download has has played out it's 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 served its time and there's things that are better today and here's the thing ivans realizes that and so sometimes i think when we talk to ivans we think like oh they're the evil one like applied well they're owned by the evil i I say evil one i don't mean evil one folks so god here comes some emails i'm already gonna get chris from that that, 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 (laughs) what you're going to get some hate mail. I'm going to get some hate mail. And I don't mean evil folks. I'm just talking about, let me put it this way. They're not part of indie tech, right? When I just talked about that cause, they're not part of that. But Ivan's is is kind of gets lumped into that. And, and this is just me speaking. So anybody from Applied Listening, do not, nobody at Ivan's told me this. I bet you if you took a poll of, of everybody at Ivan's and you said, do you want to be owned by Applied or would you like to be independent? I get bet you the vast majority of them would say, we want to be independent because they realize that there are things that other agencies or other agency management systems are asking them that I believe that may not be put on their quote unquote priority list like it may be some of the other things. Anytime Ivan's comes out with a new thing, it's always, well, you need to talk to your management system about putting this in there because we've created this. But if you have Epic or if you have TAM, it's automatically already in your system when you log in. It's like, well, and that convenient. You know what I mean? It's like, hmm, but that doesn't give you a competitive edge, does it? I mean, who in their word? And then, and then, and then we, we talk about this. Who in their right mind at the big eye allowed this to happen? Now, I understand this is a, this is a um, this is a, a a capitalistic system where businesses can't get in front of others. But they could have put out us. They could have put out a press release. They could have put out their thoughts. They could have been in that room when that was being negotiated between Applied and Ivans. Now, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't possible. But I think that it is. I think when President Trump can say that that T-Mobile and Sprint can't merge or Time Warner and somebody can't merge, I think the big eye who gets to Bob Rustbold, who sits up there and gets paid his millions, he could have stopped in and at least said, hey, guys, is this really good for these people? Oh, yeah, the people that I represent called independent agents, is this good for them? Because I don't really think it is. Hmm, I wonder why other countries don't have it that way. And Oh, probably because it should be owned independently because it is the post office. And it's like Seth said, or or Frank said, not only do they own the post office, but now they're opening our mail. Now they're opening our mail and they're reading our mail and then they're putting it back together and then they're shipping it to us. Who would allow that in the real world? Who would allow that? No one would allow that. It's illegal. And every, every, every example I just gave you is illegal. But we allow it to happen here at the Independent Insurance Agency, and we all pay good money to be represented by an association that didn't stick up for us. Sorry, Chris. Just You're on your way. Keep going. I know, I know, I know. It's just unbelievable. Chris, I swear his name is Chris, and he, he dude, he he is like he is your buddy. When I say he's gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna freaking flip that. I didn't remember his name. That you didn't remember his name either. But I'm not doing a good job of saying it. He's one of my good <laughs> friends. I mean, I love the guy. Not Chris. what is it? Not no. Chris Pesh, no. Bob Klinger. He's been he's been with Vertifor. Uh, I mean, he's not, been with the PIA. He's their chairman right now, or chairman or president. I think he's their chairman. 
And, 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 and I cannot, and this is going to drive me nuts and I apologize. And he's going to smack me next time he sees me. And I just saw him at applied net and I was really surprised he's there. He's a vertifor guy. And, um, oh my gosh, I cannot think he's, he's going to come on my podcast and I cannot think of his damn name. My fault, my fault. I'm sorry um, for, for doing that. I, I really truly am. He's going to kill me. You know what? I think I just probably messed you up and it's probably not even Chris, but I I can't remember and I'm getting so mad right now. But anyways, but anyways, it it, it was, uh, it it was, he's a, he's a, he's a monumental person inside the industry and he is, uh, I I don't want to say loud mouth. I'm going to say I'm a loud mouth to give you a comparison of him being a loud mouth, but he, he will not hold back in what he says. And when he speaks, he speaks so intelligently because he's, he's been here since the eighties and nineties and he's seen all this technology come through and he is, uh, he is, he's a fantastic guy. And when I think of his name, you're going to go, Oh my God, Jason, cause he's so awesome, but it doesn't really matter. So Chris, um, what do you think about 2020? If you had to lay a word on 2020, if you had to, if you had to think about what is going to be some things coming up, do you have any thoughts of 2020? Has there been your thoughts? What's your personal agenda for 2020? Well, first I'd like to start with the IA channel. I think Absolutely monumental, and I, I, you guys can all write this down. Ryan Hanley coming back to the insurance space is definitely a huge win for independent agents, period. Period, period, period. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you like him or whether you don't like him, he is a guy that pushes change. He's, he's a guy that has pushed change in the past. I think the independent agency needs guys like him and women like him. Um, you take people like Sid, uh, Sid Rowe. I mean, she she's moving the industry forward with with her ever changing ability within video, right? Uh, but you take somebody like Ryan coming back, which is huge. I think if we look at what the IA channel, I I would say one word would be change. We're embracing change. Having Ryan back um, is 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 huge. Having Tarmica, having Neon. I just think change is coming. Uh, and I think 2021 is going to be the year of the independent agent through bringing data and power back to us. For me personally, it's all about uh, our data scientists reading data and how t- that we are creating a loyalty score to be really understanding how likely are our clients going to renew with us. That is what my investment is on. That is the year of 2020 for Paradiso Insurance. I don't think there's any magic in the ever investing into what I consider our diamonds in our backfield or in our backyard, which are renewals. We need to do a better job in retention and we need to invest more money because all we hear about is new business, new business, Mm -hmm. new business. And I love business, but I don't love new business when we're losing business because the more you can retain. And even if you, your new business is up 10%, but if you can retain 90, 91, 92%, I know every agency tells me they retain 95. The national average, I believe, from Forrester Research was 82.5 to 83% yep. on the I channel. So there is still 17, 18% that, uh, of those diamonds that are being left in people's backyards. Uh, that's an awful lot. And uh, through data scientists and, and understanding and reading of our data, uh, we are creating a loyalty score and we are going to really maintain focus on our retention. It's huge. It's huge. Um, people don't realize. It's not, 
Yeah, I wish there, I could give you a sexy word, but I don't. I think we we want that sexy or that that shiny object that our eyes are attracted to. But I think with that being said, remember the the the, the sexy uh, the sexy vision really is you know your wallet and your wallet is already in your backyard and there's money in it. But why the heck do we leave it unfound? Why do we why do we not mine it? I don't understand why. No, we don't because we haven't had the data to really be able to decipher. What we do is, as Wesley Anderson says a lot, is we don't make decisions. What we do is we make decisions based on the way we feel or the way we think that day. But when you have data, you can make decisions based on what the data says, and that's really what is said. And so I think there's a couple different words we can use. I want to pause and say Keith Savino. Good man right there. Not Chris Savino. It's Keith Savino. I knew I was wrong. That dude is one of my favorite people in the industry, Chris. And the reason is, is that dude will – what? How much he's done for – and how many years he's dedicated for the IA channel. I mean that dude sacrificed and given up a lot of time for the betterment of of, of the IA channel. He needs an award, a national award. He does, dude. That dude will straight tell uh, people how he thinks. And when he does it, he does it. He comes across as, you know, as a Northeasterner. So to the rest of America, it's a little edgy. But to the other Northeasterners, you guys are used to it. But, man, he speaks with intelligence. Like he he will talk about things and he will just not say, why are we doing this or this? He'll then break it down for you. And you're like, holy crap, like this dude really knows what the hell he's talking about. You know, know I put up there with him, Jeff Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Jeff Roy. You know, he's not a a part of any associations here. He's out of Canada. Those that don't know Jeff Roy, uh, Jeff Roy says it, how it, how it is. And, um, Mm. and he just a tremendous to the IA channel. And that's, isn't that what makes, you know, we've had, we've been friends for years, uh, Jay, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what makes it better that these people continue to give back and share with the industry, just as we were sitting in a room with a bunch of people who were sharing, uh, to me, um, just says on how awesome this industry is and how, if we just continue to maintain the, the right mindset that we are better together, and I know I'm stealing that from IAOA. But that is a fact. Hashtag better together is a fact. You know, a couple of things I just like to say just politically, I think the industry is not going to get better if we don't invest in women. You take women like Patty Patty Lars, Claudia McLean, Linda Fisher. These women are rock stars. They output the Donna at uh, Yoder at Sava Insurance. You are not getting better agency owners than these women. We need more women. We need more minorities. I don't care. We need them. The industry will get better if we're not male, stale, and pale. Politically incorrect for me to say that, but we need to get better. Yep. If we want to get better, we need to invest in, into unbelievable women like Patty Lars, Linda Fisher, Claudia McLean, uh, Donna Yoder. I mean, Nancy Nicolo, Alicia Cavanaugh, Olivia, yeah. Olivia Schmidt, uh, Aaron so Nutting. There's there's so many, so many, so many, but the industry needs it. Women bring a different perspective, right? And that is a needed perspective in our industry. If we want to get better, 
we need to invest in that. So I wanted to talk about retention. I'll close with that, but I want to talk about this. I have, Chris, I have a whole presentation on women. It's around 20 to 25, 30 minutes long. It depends on how many stories I tell in it. But what I talk about is the future is women. And, it is. and it's totally women. It, it really totally is. And when you look at our society, that's how I know. Like when you talk about caring, sharing, compassion, you know what? And maybe it's just me, but I think every man out there can see this. 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't cool to just tell your best friend that you love him. It wasn't cool. He'd look at you and go, what? But now you can be like, hey, man, I love you. I just want you to know that. I tell that to Wes when I get done seeing him and I'm getting ready to board a plane. And he's going to Utah. I mean, I'll tell him, I say, hey, Wes, I love you, man. He'll be like, hey, I love you too, Cass. And like, I think to myself, like, you didn't do that 15, 20 years ago. Like, people would be like, bro, what, what are you trying to tell another guy you love him for, right? Like, guys, Why guys crying. Guys crying. To, what? Because you care. And what happens if you, what happens if something happens and you never see that guy again that you didn't say that? Right. And that's the way it's always been, though, for women. But it's this, it's this thing that like caring and sharing. And I say this, this is what I say in my, in my, in my presentation is that back in the caveman days, the woman took care of the kids and she better be treating me nice because if she doesn't, she's not going to eat and she's going to have no security. I'm going to put her outside of the teepee or the tent or whatever, the cave, and she is going to be able to fend for – she's going to have to fend for herself. Or she can be nice to me and let me be dominant and, uh, uh, over her, And but I'm going to feed her and I'm going to give her security. And that's just the way that life was structured going forward. And every year and every decade and every hundred years, we get a little bit more modern, right? And we've really gotten more modern today to where when that same scenario happens, the woman says, I don't need you to feed me. There's a grocery store down the road and I got a babysitter that I can watch my kid if I do and I'll go get money to keep feeding us. It's come to a, a fact that the roles have changed of who we are. The man is not the domineering figure that it used to be. Now, if you're a religious person like me, yeah. yes, there there is the man is the head of the household, all that. That's not what, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in society as a whole and the way that we interact as humans with one another. And I think that there's a beauty to it. And I will say this, just like you've heard me say it before, loyal listeners, in the next 200 years, we will have more women presidents than we do men. And I will guarantee you that. And the reason why I guarantee you that is because it's a different type. Everything in the world goes from one side to the other and one side back. And it's way overdue for women to have their authority and their and their and their um, their stature in this society and claiming who they are. This is a funny thing. Please keep that in mind, loyal listeners. But this is something that I say to give in when I'm in a presentation to give this understanding of you have two men who one's standing in one country, the other is standing in the other country, and one man's looking at the other one and saying, you see this border right here? You better not come across this border or I'm going to physically harm you. And the other guy's looking at the other person saying, oh yeah? Well, if you come across that border, I'm going to physically harm you as well. And that's the, that's the world we live in. But I think when you take women and you put them in the place of both of those men, I think the conversation goes like this. Hey, you see that line right there? I came up to that line and I was looking across. It looks like your country is a really nice place. I would really like to come over there and see some of the good things. And then I'd like to share them with my friends back home. And so maybe we can have some of uh, have some of what you have. And I think one of the other lady would say to the other lady, that's a great idea. And when you're over here, I'll actually go back with you to your country. And I'll actually probably bring some of my people so that they can get the mix and match with your people. 
That's the way the world should look. We should be caring. We should be understanding. We should be inviting. These are the type of things that our society is becoming, multitasking. And these are the type of things that we are becoming and that are becoming important in the culture of our business, in the culture of our, of our personal life. We can all admit that our wives today have way more power in our relationships than they probably did in the past. Now, I wasn't alive in 1920, but from what they tell me, that's kind of what it was like. And so I, I think that there is, it's just not an industry thing. I think the power of the woman in society is rapidly rising. And I truthfully, Chris, I think men are having a really, really hard time with it. They're having a really, really hard time with it. And I think we're just, as an industry, we're just farther behind than others. Mm-hmm. Same with technology. Mm-hmm. We're farther behind than banks. We're farther behind than a lot of other industries. It's a, I, I would agree. This is a cultural thing, but... I just think we're farther behind in the insurance space than some other industries. Chris, we I need to wake up. Yeah, we do need to wake up. I'm, I'm going to end with this because I know Frank is at your place and the data scientist and you got to get going on that stuff. But tell him to give me two seconds. I just released a, po- uh, a blog post. Today is December 10th, uh, listeners. I don't know if you're listening to this in the new year or when you're listening for, to it. But um, I released a blog post, I believe yesterday or today my team released it. And it talked about what Chris was talking about at the end when it comes to retention. There's a lot of things that uh, my business owner, my mentor used to say. He used to say, Jason, the business that stays is the business that pays. And the business that pays is the business that stays. And he used to always talk about retention and it was so important to him. And one of the things that I have brought forward, and I've really thought about this, and I've talked about this before, but now that I'm a smarter business owner, I decided to redo this. And I did a podcast, but I wrote a blog about this and then did a podcast on the blog. And I encourage everybody to go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com and click on it. I think it's called, oh yeah, here's what it's called. It's called, Are You a Gold Digger? That's what it's called. And the reason why it is, is Chris, I want, I, 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 this is what it was. And I want everybody to take this away, read the article. It has to do with the fact that we're a service culture or we're a sales culture. But what we don't realize is anymore is you have to be both and it's called a customer experience culture. And the culture says this, that if we're going to be a sales-driven culture, then that means we have to change what that sales-driven culture looks like. No longer is it feasible or is it correct business-wise for for just the way things are and money financially for us to hire a producer. I'm not saying that we don't do this. I'm trying to bring something into your guys' head, loyal listeners. We hire producers. We pay them $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a month, whatever it could be, and then we send them out in the world. Most of them are new to insurance. Most of them don't know other businesses and we send them out there to get, I'm going to say for commercial insurance, we send them out there to get businesses and talk to businesses that they don't know about and all different types of stuff. And if they get lucky and they bring it back and we write it, we then give them an additional 20, 30, 40, 50% commission, whatever it could possibly be. That's how this goes. And we're spending lots of marketing dollars to try and get that person in. Or what we can do is we could say we can have a service culture and we are just going to maintain the people that we have. Here's what happens when you have a customer experience culture. You do nothing but focus, as Chris is saying, on the people that you have in your agency and you nurture them and you help them with their issues, their problems, be there with them when they need them. What's That's most important. And that's what the data can help us do is be at your client's side when they need you. And that's the most important part. But what happens is, is those clients who are inside this, your agency, who are getting cared for, nurtured, and going through this great customer experience, what they do is they go tell other people about you. And they tell other people about you. And then what that does is they bring those people in. So think about this. 
You're spending marketing dollars and you're spending money to create a customer experience. But the person who is going out and getting the client is not the producer that you pay two to $3,000 a month and give them a commission of 40%. It's the person who goes out there who's paying you to be a part of your agency, goes out and tells people about you and brings those people back in. And we have a 70 to 80 to 90% closing ratio on that type of person. Why are we doing it any other way other than saying, let's focus? Like Chris said, there's a wallet in the backyard. It's got money in it. Why are we not focusing on that and then letting them do the work for us? And that is the power of the customer experience. And when I broke this down, one of the things that I realized after I wrote this, Chris, is there's actually two different types of referrals. There's probably different types, but in the customer experience, there's two different types of referrals. Uh, There's one type of referral where Sandy calls Susan and says, hey, Susan, um, I'm needing to find an insurance agent. Who would I talk to? And they say, oh, Chris Paradiso down the road. He's a great guy. I've been with him forever. Boop, that's a referral. Then there's a customer experience referral. And that is when Susan calls Sally and says, hey, Sally, I'm going to tell you this. If you ever need to get insurance, you have got to go to this place, Paradiso Insurance. I've been with him for three or four years, but this has happened and this has happened and he gives back here and he does that and he gives me this customer experience. That is a customer experience referral. That is a referral now to where you do have the truly 70, 80, 90% closing ratio. And I also, inside this article, I also stipulate to people, as Chris said, if the average um, retention is 85%, Let's just say it's that. Do you know that when you go to write a customer, you only have a 15% chance of them coming with you? Because the other agent has an 85% chance. We're all lost into this fact that we have a 40% closing ratio, but sometimes we don't realize that closing ratio is an average of how many people you get in front of and see. But being in front of that one person... You only have a 15 to 10% chance of actually closing them. Create a customer experience culture and you're going to have people who are in your agency going and proactively telling other people about you and you're going to avoid all of those limitations in all of those closing ratios. It's called Are You a Gold Digger? And there's a reason why I call it that. And the reason why is because Billy Williams says it to me all the time. He says, Cass, the gold is in your book. The gold is in your book. He says it all the time to me. So I encourage you that. Chris, anything you would like to wrap up with, buddy? No, just um, agents get out there. And um, if you're young and you're coming in this industry, please find a mentor. Reach out to somebody who you connect with. You have connectability. And and, uh, if I was to ask, uh, as I've done to my mentor a million times, the most important thing I think you can learn from a mentor, what did you fail at and why did you fail at? And uh, everybody always wants to talk about successes, but I can tell you, massively successful people have massively uh, failed and just learn from those failures in order to become successful. Learn from failures. Love learn, that, learn, 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 learn. Love that, bro. And that goes back to your to your hate to win, love to lose. You are love to win, hate to lose. And and that goes back to you hate to lose, but then again, you like to lose because that's the only time you learn, right? It's, it's that weird thing. That's why that's such a weird question, right? A good friend of mine and a close mentor of mine, Mike Stromsoad, always says, you win or you learn. And I, I say that to my kids all the time. You had a bad day. You didn't lose if you learned. What did you learn today? That's good. You know, what did you learn when we got beaten basketball? I don't mind being beaten. I hate losing. That's two totally different things. Chris, you the man, brother. You the man. Thanks for all you do. And for all you. Appreciate it. You 
do for the industry, brother. Much respect. Thank you. Thank you. And to all you loyal listeners out there, I am happy to do what I do. I say this all the time and you know it. I do what I do and I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say because today on Agency Intelligence with Chris Paradiso, I gave you a real agent, him, inside a real agency, Paradiso Insurance, Stafford Springs, Connecticut, and we gave you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial intelligence that they make you believe in the industry. This has been Jason Cass with Chris and we, we're out. Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is. To, to fix a problem, the first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.